Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Lego with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego. Hi everyone, I'm Joanna. And I'm Jenny. And this is Hyphenated, the podcast about living in... I wanted to make it sound like a little like haunted and scary. You remind me of that chick with the booger dangling from her nose in um, Blair Witch Project. Blair Witch Project. <laughs> I'm so scared right now. I'm, I'm so scared. <laughs> Wasn't that good? That's like that's like really good like ASMR shakiness. Of Fear ASMR. I'll make you relax by making you feel like I am on the verge of death. So we were talking about our kind of insane and I like to call ridiculous, even though it's it's very relatable, but fear of performing live to a live audience. And, you know, I, I find that a lot of people are surprised to hear I have a fear of performing considering I am a performer. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you were surprised to hear I was afraid of performing too. And I was, I was also shocked that you were afraid of performing live as well. I feel like there's a part of my brain that is and there's a part that isn't because it took me a while to realize that I do have stage fright. Mm -hmm. It took me coming out to LA, self-sabotaging a lot of my improv classes, not showing up, even though I was totally cool with my classmates, the moment I would get up there, it might as well have been a beheading. <laughs> For some reason, there's like a part of my brain that immediately switches on mm -hmm. and goes, danger, danger, danger. Mm-hmm. And I was like, because I'm like, dude, I've been acting on stage since I was five. I've been performing by myself in theater groups, even piano recitals, band, all types of performance art. And it took me over 30 years to realize that I have stage fright. Yeah, I, I used to think everyone would devolve into a nervous puddle of diarrhea and shaking and sweating like I was like oh this is just how everyone does it but then a lot of my friends yes everyone gets a little nervous before before getting on stage I I have like a deep deep fear and when I talked to my therapist about it my therapist was like oh yeah I can prescribe you something for that and I'm like prescribe me something for a fear and he was like yes let me explain something to you when you are <laughs> about to get on stage your brain literally goes into fight or flight mode, which is something that was useful when we lived in a jungle and tigers <laughs> could rip us apart. But now we are in, you know, developed society. And me going to do an improv set with my improv team called Norm Holly Cigarettes is is like the equivalent of of a of a 
you know, stressful situation because we are such a coddled species right now. Oh, but like yeah. he was like, yeah, this this there's a pill you can take, and I'm like, what what what? Like this feels like something futuristic, something creepy. So he was like, no, there's there's actually a pill that all it does is regulate your adrenaline, your heart rate. It affects the mm-hmm. way that your body reacts to the stress. So it's not making you less fearful. It's just. It's just limiting the physical response to your fear, the shaking, the sweating, the tachycardia. It's like a low level dose of a heart medication pill. And I found that fascinating. It felt like a biohack. It's been life changing. Right? You you take it as well, right? I take it as well. You know, a fellow TV writer told me about it because I was expressing to her how unnecessarily nervous I get during auditions. And I've tried everything you can imagine, yoga, breathing techniques, I remember one time I was at an audition and there was no one else in the room. So I took advantage and I laid flat on my back across a bench and just stared at the ceiling and was doing my stupid little breathing exercises. But the moment the casting director steps out and is like, Jennifer Lorenzo, again, my stupid body thinks Mm -hmm. that I'm about to get run over by a fucking cheetah and my heartbeat. And and a lot of it has to do with your heart. your heart starts racing and so then it sends these like crazy nervous signals throughout the rest of your body you get butterflies in your stomach which then leads to diarrhea um and like all kinds of stomach upset and gas and your hands get clammy and so then no matter how prepared i was for the audition i would always kind of screw myself over because my hands shake a lot that's why i had to quit piano as a kid i couldn't handle the recitals because my hands would shake Mm -hmm. And I couldn't play the goddamn, it's an instrument that you need your fingers for. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't do it because I was shaking terribly. And so it's always gotten in the way of a lot of my performances, a lot of my drama competitions, and I would still push through it. But in the first few minutes, my hands would uncontrollably shake. And if in an audition they made me hold a paper, forget it. It was even more obvious. And so all of my training would go out the window, my memorization out the window, because all I can focus on is how fucking idiotic I look with these shaky hands. Mm -hmm. And it's embarrassing because it makes you look like you don't know what you're doing. Like no one wants to look nervous. Everyone's nervous. Like it's, it's a common thing. But it's like when you're right there, like a foot away from the casting director, and your hand is just like visibly shaking, they're only gonna focus on that. So that's why I was venting to my my friend who's a TV writer and she's like, you gotta take this medication. It's the industry's best kept secret. Oh no, and, and like literally every actor friend I know takes it. And it, it's it's every <laughs> single person, it, comedians. I'm like, oh my God, I, like, oh, aren't you taking blah, blah, blah. I forgot what the, what the name is. And I'm like, no, I don't. Well, I can tell. What if you want again? help everybody, it's called Propre... <laughs> Propranolol. Oh my God! It's called propranolol. You know when you can't. Propranolol. When you can't pronounce it, that's when you know it's legit. That's when you know Fuck. it's a legit prescription. Pro propranolol. <laughs> anyway, what was your thought? Sorry. I just th- I just think it's so interesting that no matter how much human beings sort of create a safe environment for us to live life and not be bogged down by you know the fear of imminent death. You know, uh, we still find reasons to feel it. Like our bodies and our brains still find reasons to feel fight or flight. Like Mm -hmm. we just adapt and evolve to what the equivalence is in our society. Like, Like social suicide of bombing a show 
won't kill you. But in my head, I'm like, oh my God, my reputation could be over. Like this is the equivalent of dying in a, in a bloody, you know, <laughs> tribal war. <laughs> but I, I, I realized that like as a kid, I had irrational fears my whole life. Like the irrationality of fear, I wonder if it's just like because we've evolved to be people that like don't have to worry about like food and shelter and like water. Like we, we you know, we live in apartments and houses. Then it's like, oh my God, my brain, my brain, my amygdala, which is an almond shaped little gland or a part of your brain, I guess. It's literally like between your ears and your eye. This tiny little almond shaped <laughs> piece of shit is the only thing that is causing your fear in your brain. That is what causes the fear. That is what your brain response to fear is. Maybe it's bored. Maybe it's just bored. It's like, man, you get in your car from the suburbs and you drive to work every day and you got to drive back and you, I, I'm bored. I need to feel fear. So is that where phobias come from? Like, or is the amygdala bored and then sees a happy face and then is like, that's something to fear. It sees a clown. It says, give me something to do. I'm afraid of a clown. Like, <laughs> I know a lot of it has to do with trauma. Yeah. And like trauma response. But it's it's interesting how something that is supposed to make us survive is so kind of feels like it's killing us. I just think we've evolved in a way that just doesn't make sense. It's like you're not why why are you afraid of it's kind of like your dog that like will bark at the mailman but then will like lick the hands of a thief that walks yeah, yeah. into you. You know, it's like what? No, <laughs> this is not you're getting this wrong. You poor fucking thing. You know, cuz sometimes I think I'm way too chill. In certain situations, and people are like, wow, you handled that very well. Like, I, I would have been shitting bricks. And I'm just like, oh, was I supposed oh to? Oh, my God. You're... Dude. Shit bricks? When I was getting ready for my surgery, where my life was literally on the line, <laughs> I was significantly more relaxed than when I did stand up in front of 15 people in a basement. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, what... What, what am I, why, why I was sit? I was just there. I was like about to be put like under anesthesia. They were going to rip off my like leg skin. And, and I was just like, yeah, man, I guess that's life. <laughs> and then there's not even a backstage. It's literally just a shitty bar with like asbestos everywhere. There's 15 people that are too drunk to remember this the next day. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, what if I forget? What if I forget the joke? <laughs> But it feels like your body is turning against you, your body and your mind, because like even when it's again, like like my classmates, I'm like, I fucking know these people. We all support each other. We all fuck up in front of each other. But then I get up there and it, again, it's like it might as well be people chanting kill the beast, like in Beauty and the Beast with a fucking pitchfork. Behead the beast. That's what I imagine. It's like they morph into these different creatures all of a sudden. And they're like, ah, off with a head. And I'm like, but you're my friends. It's like the people with pitchforks and Shrek that are coming to kill Shrek. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Like, you know how people are like, I just imagine people in their underwear. And I'm like, I literally imagine peasants in like the French Revolution getting ready to behead people. That's what I imagine the audience to be. At least that's how our bodies react in this ridiculous way. And I'm just like, can you fuck, calm the fuck down? Like, I'm, I, I'm sitting in awe of how dumb my body is in that moment. I'm like, why? But it's not just you, Jenny. It's not just you. Like, speaking in public, people... People have said, I think the majority of people fear speaking in public like over anything else. Yeah. It's like speaking in public, death, second. Like <laughs> there's there's something to be said about how, how afraid we are to be judged by others. Yeah. I know there's a difference between fear and anxiety. Fear is 
you know, the immediate response to something that is clearly dangerous, like if you're going to get mugged, you know, your your brain reacts in fear. But then if you're walking down a alleyway and you're imagining these potential situations that will probably not happen, that's an anxiety. But I find them to be inextricably linked. Yeah, they are. Because people say like fear is a is a response mechanism for survival. I, I think anxiety is as well. I know that like phobias are anxiety taken to an extreme. Like there's some crazy phobias out there. Like there's a phobia of having peanut butter stuck to the top of your mouth. Mm. I think it's called like trick-a-trick-a-phobia or something like that. There's a fear of uh, <laughs> candy. There's a fear of clowns. There's a fear of drywall. There's phobias of everything. Of everything. But I always think that like I suffer from anxiety and I wish I didn't have it. But at the same time, I'm like, I wonder how many times I've saved myself because I'm an anxious person. <laughs> how many times did I look look at a like an alleyway that was dark and the probability of me being mugged was like, man, one in 100,000. And I'm like, you know what? I just had, I just played five different scenes in my head of me being mugged by five different people. And I'm just like unwilling to do that. So, you know, I know there is a difference, but, but they're linked. For me, it comes into, into like survival or like, you know, self-preservation, even in the social sense. I mean, it makes sense. Even though I'm on medication for my anxiety, I refuse to get to a point where it numbs me out for a multitude of reasons but one of them being I kind of like having a little bit of that anxiety it 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 keeps a little flame burning under my culo I kind of like being a a survivalist <laughs> I love that that's what we call like we're not anxious we're survivalists we're so. survivalists okay life is a highway and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches but there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego. There's a couple of crazy cases, and this is fascinating, Jenny, but there's a lot of people that have brain damage that specifically affects the amygdala, which is the area of the brain that is responsible for fear. So there's a lot of interviews done to these people, but it's all kept anonymous because these people, since they don't have fear, are at risk of being like killed all the time. So they, they interviewed someone, they interviewed a couple of people, but they interviewed this one woman who had brain damage and her amygdala had crystallized. So she just could not feel fear. And she was literally what? mugged in a parking lot and she couldn't feel the fear. So she was just like, no, I'm not going to give you my phone. Like she was like, no, get out of my way. I'm trying to get to work. And she was almost killed. And um, they interviewed another guy and he he didn't understand why going fast in a car, why speeding was dangerous because he didn't really feel feel fear attached to it. So 
Damn. These people are actually, they have to be really supervised. They sort of have to like be trained to, to be aware because the, what we are trained to do for self-preservation, they just simply don't have that. And, and no one, hmm. and no one can know who these people are. They don't, they can't tell people about their condition unless it's like someone that they have close to them because someone can really take advantage of it. Because imagine living life without fear. It sounds wonderful to me, but in practice, it's actually incredibly dangerous. I mean, yeah, you, you're going to die <laughs> perhaps, but you're not, you're not going to care. You're going to kind of be like, all right, bye. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like. Kind of like falling backwards, like peace sign. Like it's nice. It was a nice ride. I don't know. Dude, like, yeah, you're right. Right. I mean, if they can't feel fear at all, I mean, I get they can feel pain though. No. Yeah, they can feel pain. On the subject of pain, right? Mm -hmm. For us, the best way to imagine having what is it, crystallized amygdalas, is yeah. <laughs> uh, which leads to having no fear, uh, no fucks given mentality, is like as if you put your hand on a burning stove and feeling nothing the pain of feeling heat and moving my hand i'm like great i still have a hand so yeah you're right like i i do wish we could temper anxiety so the moments where you're not in danger don't give you anxiety but then the moments that you are in danger still give you anxiety like that's that's a difficult nuance that that's i mean maybe in a thousand years if the planet's still around we're probably going to be in fucking venus by then but maybe by then our brains will be like <laughs> so evolved that they'll be like there is no use for this fear please just relax as you stand up on stage and say three jokes and walk away <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, they're always like, oh, you're supposed to feel nervous. If you're not nervous, and that means you don't care. And I'm just like, all right, cool. But if someone could just go into my brain and like a little needle into my amygdala, and then when I go on stage, I like activate it, and then it just shuts off. Screw the pranaprin. But like. Yeah, and I could just turn it on and turn it off, and I'm soups chill when I'm on stage. <laughs> then like, turn it back on, then I'm like my neurotic self again. That would be great. But like, if it, when I'm like close to death, I want to be like, yo, can you crystallize my amygdala? I just want to dive into <laughs> the abyss. <laughs> I just want to die very nonchalantly. Like, yeah, whatever, death. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Uh. I mean, it's interesting because. I like comparing this because, you know, actors and comedians and performers, specifically comedians, what I, the people that I've met, uh, we, we tend to be a neurotic bunch. And writers tend to be a neurotic bunch. And I think I've said this before, which is your job as a writer and as a performer and as someone that can like get into a, a, a character's brain is your job literally is what is the worst thing that can happen to this person? How would they react? That's how you're a good writer. That's how you're a good storyteller. That's how you're a good performer. That is neurosis. Mm -hmm. That is literally the definition of neurosis is how bad can this get for this person? This person being me. And what's funny is that people in our industry, our amygdalas and our neuroses are helpful for our craft, but then they're so unhelpful the moment we have to get on stage. But then you have like <laughs> fucking like free solo rock climbers. They've done brain scans on these rock climbers that like go up uh, Yosemite or whatever peak, you know, these like flat surfaced, a uh, uh, completely like wall-like uh, mountains with no 
safety with with no ropes just free soloing they've done brain scans on these people on these on these climbers and they don't feel fear they go through these like machines and their brains don't feel like anxiety and fear they they just don't clock it and that makes them perfect to be these rock climbers it, it, it literally creates the perfect mental environment for you to be in this like high stress situation it's funny you mentioned that and i know i talk about adhd a lot but we do thrive on that fire under our ass like that's been me today mm-hmm. joanna i have been procrastinating on so much and i had friends in town so i was dedicating all my time to them and i only had today to do seven things <laughs> between this podcast, filming, two brand videos where I play three different characters, meetings, writing, oh, and a photo shoot. I had to do a photo shoot. Just so much. And I did it all with the fire under my ass that is ADHD and Ritalin combined. And I I did it because I had this fight or flight like, <gasps> like, I don't know. I hate it, but I love it. I, I don't do get all it. The time. I do it all the time. I put myself like I'll have a week to do something and then it'll be an hour before. And I'm like, oh, my God, I it's that's my own personal 900 meter Yosemite climb <laughs> is like I, I like it. I like being put in that fear situation because <gasps> because I'm like, one, I don't have time to doubt myself. And two, I'll just I just don't have an option i have to get it done yeah and i I guess you're right i guess we you know i don't want to compare myself to people that like you know risk their lives going up a mountain but like we're kind of the same like when i forget to do my taxes and i have to do them in two (laughs) hours in april that's kind of me climbing to a summit you know with no ropes because there's no safety Mm -hmm. because i have no time after Mm -hmm. to do this it's funny you should say that because as i was talking about you know these these rock climbers and stuff it has the highest mortality rate in terms of job you could have is like these rock climbers and every and every year more people want to be rock climbers but for us like our lives aren't really at at stake do you know what i'm saying like I feel like it is Mm -hmm. when I have a script due and it's not done. Like I do, I do feel like I'm going to (laughs) die. Yes. It's ridiculous, but it, it helps us. I mean, this goes back to like the caveman stuff that people with ADHD thrived more because we, we thrive in chaos and fear. Like we let, we let fear motivate us. Yes. But I also think generally for every human being, fear is a motivator. Yes. Fear of not having food motivates you. Fear of not having water motivated you when you were like a little caveman. Fear of not having, you know, the right protection motivated you. So fear is a motivator. Yeah. It, it, It can be a phobia. It can go to like destroy your life, obviously. But ultimately fear, como que en cantidades, like measured quantities is not only necessary but i think in creatively and getting work done in in our life is something that like if i had no fear i'd probably get nothing done Mm -hmm. (laughs) like if i had no fear and i had a script due i'd be like i mean whatever (laughs) what's the worst that can happen (laughs) like fired okay i'll get another job but Mm -hmm. i'm like i was doing an hour i was doing a fucking hour i'm gonna die but like 
there's a lot of fears we have as, as, as adults that I can sort of wrap my head around in a way that's like, okay, maybe this isn't life or death, but it sort of is in our modern society, whether I keep a job or not, whether mm-hmm. I'm respected or not, whether I do a good job on this or not. But I remember as a kid, I'd have fears like crazy weird fears. Like I feared closets, mm. terrified, mm. terrified of closets. Well, let me guess. Did your mom come up with all kinds of folklore creatures? Dude, <laughs> dude, I was thinking about this last time when we were like, oh, well, let's talk about fears for tomorrow's episode. I was like, why the fuck was I so afraid of closets? And I remembered I had a cousin mm. who one day, I was four or five, no no more than that. And I was wanted to go into her closet and she was like, you can't go in there. There's a monster. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, dude, legit, a monster lives there. And I was like, wait, hold up, girl. Are you being for real, dude? There's a monster in there? <laughs> hold up, girl. And, and she was like, I'm not, I would never lie to you. There's a straight up monster in there. Of course it wasn't a fucking monster. Claudia was just telling me that shit so I wouldn't go in her closet because she didn't want me to fuck shit up. And to this day, I go to hotel rooms and I sleep with the, ho- with the closet door open. Because I'm like, you don't know what's in there. Okay, maybe it's not a monster, but it could be a psychopath killer. Well, you know why I don't like the closet door open? Because I go back to my childhood, and I always think about that creepy-ass scene in Sleeping Beauty with Maleficent, where you just see Maleficent's, like, creepy yellow eyes, like, in the fireplace. But you just see her eyes show up, and as a kid... I always felt like I was going to see Maleficent's eyes in my closet, Mm -hmm. and then I was going to be led to a spindle. Oh, my God. So Disney traumatized you. Well, no. I mean, Maleficent was everyone's, like, jealous Thea, you know? Like, she didn't Mm. get invited to the bautismo. She, like, did some hella mal de ojo damage. Oh, my God. You're right. You know? So I'm like, girl, mm -mm." So it wasn't Maleficent, you imagine. It was, like, your Tia Belkis was like, vente pa' cariño. She's like, it's like her creepy eyes, like, in my closet giving me mal de ojo oh my god that was that was my that was my fear was mal de ojo i guess life is a highway and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches but there's only one mccrispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego. For me, I had a lot of fears, like, as I was falling asleep. And to this day, I'm an insomniac. But I had another fear, which was... I just feared I would suddenly go blind as a kid. Wow. I just was convinced that one day I was just going to be walking around. And and at night, you know how your eyes acclimate to different objects? I would think that was me going blind. And I would scream. I would scream. And my mom would be like, mother, fuck, you're not going blind. She got me a tiny little TV the moment that she could. That When tiny TVs like became a thing. I think I was like 12. And I slept with the TV on all night to this day. I, if I can, I sleep with a TV on. Really? Yeah. Wow. Also because it lulls me to sleep. <laughs> so I don't have to listen to the, to the voices in my head. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of it also is like the movies we grew up watching. Like, I remember watching Freddy Krueger and Chucky as a kid with my parents. But as I got older and I watched The Ring, 
I will never look at a static television the same way again. Oh, you're right. But I'm ready to punch a bitch. If a wet, <laughs> droopy, long, black-haired child comes crawling, girl, I'm about to go, oop, I'm ready to punch a bitch. You know that me too. And I think it's interesting how I think that there are fears that are, are part of the zeitgeist. And I think every generation probably has their own trigger fear. Like for us, the ring... I was I was terrified of static TVs. I because of Chucky, I was terrified of dolls. And to this day, I'm like, oh, you know, just like you. I I do think that there not only is it an internal thing, I do think fear is is incredibly external. Like the moment you see something as a kid, it becomes ingrained in your brain, like directly connected to the amygdala. Like the moment, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the moment you see darkness in a closet, your brain quickly, you know, <laughs> makes that connection. So Kevin, our lovely producer, he he shared a fear of his, <laughs> which I recently learned. He's afraid of back alleys, but not like Gotham City type shit, like the back of a public supermarket. Like where the trash is thrown? Where the trash is thrown. Where people and... go out on cigarette breaks, like uh, like underpaid teenage employees smoking cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's so interesting. But like, didn't he say the reason was, is because when we were growing up, there was all these stories about abductions. Mm -hmm. Like we we were bombarded with abduction news. Oh, yeah. I wasn't allowed to step a foot outside of my house. Which was like a new concept for, for, for decades. If abductions did happen, we just probably wouldn't find out about it because there wasn't like news <laughs> that was like 24-7. And, and like, you know, you couldn't find out that if in Wisconsin, there was a young girl that was, you know, taken from a small town. But it, it, when we were growing up, it was like, I remember the milk cartons. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I remember the books, like the books I'd read for school. A lot of it had to do with missing kids. And what Kevin said, it, it was like the stranger danger that it was there that he would be abducted. Yeah. And that is a fear that is like bred out of the circumstance he lived in, which is scientists have identified two types of fear. So there's this innate fear, which is the fears that we're born with. You know, the fears that are biological. It's kind of like how animals have fears that aren't necessarily learned. They're just born with them. And then learned fears, which is what we pick up along the way as we live life. And and for humans, the vast majority of fears are actually learned. So poor Kevin, maybe if he hadn't have been, you know, watching the news and reading those Beverly Cleary novels, maybe Kevin wouldn't be afraid of alleys. <laughs> it was learned. It was a learned fear. A lot of it is learned. Like I grew up as a major hypochondriac and that's because of my dad. Mm. As a kid, there was like a point in time that I thought I had a crack in my skull. There was a point in time that I thought everything I felt was appendicitis. Oh my God. Well, Speaking of our childhood, that it was always about abductions, almost every 90s sitcom of our time had an episode about appendicitis. I remember when Tia and Tamara had appendicitis. Yeah. I remember reading a book. Remember Madeline, that French girl? <laughs> the, it was a famous book. Madeline, Madeline. Yes, I know. With Miss Clavel or whatever the hell. Just the way that you said Madeline, the French girl, like pissed, was very funny to me. Remember Madeline, the French girl? Freaking French bitch. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, like I read so many of those books and I remember one of the main stories was about her having appendicitis. So everyone was having goddamn appendicitis. And so I was terrified of having my appendix explode. Yeah, so me too. major hypochondriac. But my dad was like that. My mom is like, oh, my God. When we were dating, like all the hospital bills that we had to spend because <laughs> your dad thought he had all kinds of shit wrong with him. 
And so as a kid, I was super maniatica. Like I thought something was wrong with me all the time. And till this day as an adult, I have to fight that. You know, I make sure like not to research anything and not go down the rabbit hole because everything is going to say you're going to die. Everything. And you know what? The 90s were fucked. There was also a lot of a, a lot of shows with quicksand and the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, my God. Quicksand, Bermuda Triangle. Yes, uh, uh, swallowing a watermelon seed and a watermelon growing in your stomach. If you take anyone from the ages of 26 to 34 and you have them list their biggest fears, they'd say one of these in their top three, for sure. There was a lot of scary shit that, like, first of all, primer impacto. Oh my God, yes. (laughs) That was like fear in a news station, just all-encompassing. Everything was bad for you. You were going to die from everything. The Virgin Mary was out to get you with her bloody eyes on toast. The Chupacabra, which, again, was really just a bunch of coyotes with mange. You're right. (laughs) You're right. News. Not that you shouldn't be afraid of coyotes. No, but there's something very human and obsessive about finding out what's the next thing to fear. And that's why, like, news stations... They, they, when they need more people and more eyeballs, obviously it, they fear monger. I remember, remember when it was like killer bees are coming and then like, it was always something like jellyfish attacks on the rise. Oh, there's a tiburon outbreak. Like it was always constantly. A tiburon outbreak. Tiburon outbreak. <laughs> it's just like outbreaking everywhere. The tiburones are fucking Well, everywhere. Jaws did not help with that <laughs> no. one. No. But you bring up a good point, which is I think we are wired to sort of get off on fear. Like they're like, like it's one of the most basic feelings, right? It's like sex cells, you know, and then fear cells. So it's like, yeah, like, you know, a sexy cover and then fucking bees are going to murder you. Like, (laughs) Well, we love that. It's like weird, though, because like my dad, my dad, you cannot catch him watching anything uplifting. The man is always watching slasher films, dark horror. My dad is the kind of person that before a cruise, he'll watch the Titanic. And before he flies anywhere, he's watching like some travesty, like plane crash, lost, Mm -hmm. but he like thrives on that, right? And like, I used to not really be that way until later on. Like me and my my best friend have really gotten into true crime Mm -hmm. lately. Like that's how we bond and we- Girl. (laughs) I'm like, man, why did I get into this all of a sudden? Like I'm really into this shit, but me and my best friend call it dark chisme. That's what true crime is? That's what true crime is, honestly. Yeah, you're right. I'm like, why are we so into this shit? Is it because we like murder? Of course not. We like dark chisme. It's chisme. It's like, I mean, how did you hear? This girl in Pittsburgh, dude, she got stabbed in her sleep 47 times. Can you believe it? (laughs) (laughs) But all these stories are like, you're like, I can't believe this. It's dark chisme. Dude, you're right. But like, we kind of thrive on that. Like, during the pandemic, how many fucking random movies popped up on Netflix about pandemic shit, like all out of nowhere? Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of people were watching virus, yeah. pandemic related, zombie stuff. Yeah, outbreak stuff. Like it's it's bizarre, but it's almost like it's like a weird way to release. It's like we like it. Yeah. It's exciting as long as it's not happening to us. We, we connect to the fear of it, and it, like I read a study about why you know I think it's like seventy something percent of people that listen to true crime are women, which are generally are the victims of most crimes, uh, especially the ones that are in true crime podcasts. And the reason is we have these fears anyway. Like I have the fear of getting murdered anyway. So hearing stories that validate my fear 
and simultaneously making make me feel less alone in my fear is entertainment for me. Mm-hmm. It's a release. It's like I, I'll listen to like her head was cut off. Her nails were cut off. Her eyes were gouged out. Her, and I'll just be like eating my little salad and watching it. And my husband will come in and be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I'm like, I, I know it's horrible, but I'm not relating to the horribleness of it. I'm relating to the human experience of knowing that that's a real fear and not feeling crazy that I fear it and finding out ways to survive it if it does happen to me. So it is, you're right. You kind of get off on it. We kind of like, it is so human to fear. It's so mm-hmm. human to fear that when there's something related to our fears, we gravitate towards it. Yeah, especially the unknown, the paranormal. That's like a big one. I binged all 20 paranormal activities in like a week. Ay, Dios mío, que Dios te bendiga, mija. Then there's like slasher films, and I cannot handle gratuitous gore. Yeah. For example. I get it. Now, I don't know if it's a phobia or if it's even a fear. I think if it, more than anything, it just makes me nauseous. Yeah, like visually. People get shocked when they hear this about me because they know I'm like big on Halloween and all this like macabre stuff, but I lean more towards the paranormal. Oh my gosh. Holy shit, what is that? Do you hear that? What You're the being haunted. Fuck is. I'm scared. I'm actually really scared. What is happening? Well, it's not an earthquake. What? Do you hear that? Yeah, I do hear that. I don't know. Wait, let me look out my window. I'm actually, I'm actually, so this is what it's called as an innate fear, which is loud noises are an innate fear. That's something that you are wired to be afraid of. So give me one second. Let me just check out this innate fear. <laughs> just staring at Joanna's like empty room. Okay. She's back. <sighs> okay. It was a garbage truck. <laughs> oh my You are from New York. Aren't you used to the loud-ass noises? Yeah, I'm used to the loudest noises when it's a consistent roar at all times. When here, it's just, like, (laughs) quiet and, like, fountains and then birds chirping and then, like, (laughs) Like, my brain literally went, like, into panic mode. Like, you need to leave the premises. (laughs) So this garbage truck sounds like Godzilla vomiting. Yes, that's what it looked like, actually. Oh my God, that scared the shit out of me. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Let go with Ego. Existen dos tipos de personas en el mundo. Los que prefieren un desayuno dulce con frutas, dulce de leche y un jugo de naranja. Y los que prefieren un desayuno salado con chorizo, huevos rancheros y un café. Pero sin importar qué tipo de persona eres, hay algo que a todos les va a gustar. Los crujientes y esponjosos Ego Waffles. Ya sea que te guste un desayuno salado, con huevos o salsa picante encima de tus waffles, o seas más dulcero y los prefieras con mantequilla y miel. Encuéntranos en el pasillo de desayunos congelados. Lego with Ego.